Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Man of the Post Extra Time. I'm your host, Chris. Uh, with me this week, I've got Ryan. All right? Hey, yeah, I'm not bad, you? Yeah, good, thank you, man. And with me this week, I have got Justin. Hello. How you doing? Doing fine. How about you? Yeah, grand, thank you very much. Right. Strangest thing you two have ever seen on a football pitch, I'd need to know, because I went to watch uh, my team next door um, play this week. It was like the veterans team, so you have to be older than 35 to take part. It was a Sunday morning. Um, so a few of the players had been on the beer and the sauce the night before, one of whom in particular uh, struggled to run. He was playing up front. He was struggling to run. He picked the ball up at one point, though, took on three players and scored. And on his way back to the centre circle, he crouched down and vomited twice before he was <laughs> led off the pitch. <laughs> just I did see you tweet about it, actually. It was hideous. He was on his hunches, just vomiting everywhere. And they didn't even wash it up. They just had to sort of play round it. Oh. Ryan, have you seen and just have you played in anything similar? Never seen anything like that or played in anything like that. <laughs> Nothing like sick related, but when I was playing um, Five Aside, uh, like probably about six months ago, two people on the same team somehow ran into each other. And a few of us are having a bit of a laugh, like, oh, what are they doing? And then there's guys on the floor for ages, and we're like, what's going on here? And he'd, he'd, he'd had a bad knee anyway. And, yeah, all of a sudden, they pretty much they'd managed to lock knees, yeah. like they're interlocking arms. Oh. Wow. And then, yeah, this guy's knee, and, and that was it for, like, the rest of the game. We just had to stand there and just sort of, like, is it, is it over or not? <laughs> Justin, anything like that? No, I can't top that. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, the strangest thing I think I've ever seen is something I just saw fairly recently in a game that... Um, the, the team I I'm an assistant coach with, you know, so so you've uh, <clears throat> player gets injured, one side plays the ball out, and you give it back to them. The other side gives it back, and mm. and uh, nobody really had possession, so we, the referee just stopped play, and then he told it was about five yards outside our penalty penalty area, and he told the other side just knock it back to the goalkeeper. For some reason, they didn't want to do that, and uh, the, their bench was shouting, put it out for a goal kick, put it out for a goal kick. So our goalkeeper came 10, 12 off, yards off her line to, to get this ball played to her, and and this kid on the other side, in, in in attempting to put it out for a goal kick, chipped it over our goalkeeper, and it landed on the roof of the net. So <laughs> it, it was, in fact, a goal kick, but it, it caused a massive... Uh, as you might imagine, a massive sort of argy bargy on the on the touchlines between the two benches, uh, with with their manager swearing that he hadn't instructed that, and it would you know, but it was a very strange thing to do. 
And had it gone in, I asked the referee after the game, what would you, what'd you, what would you have done if it had gone in? He said, no, nah, I wouldn't have allowed it. I would have said, retake it. The ball was moving. <laughs> <laughs> well done, referee. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right, we're going to talk about the Carabao Cup this week, uh, previewing the Premier League fixtures, uh, other bits and bobs from around Europe as well. So first of all... Um, Carabao Cup this week, Tuesday night, Manchester City nil, Wolves nil, though City won 4-1 uh, on aggregate, thanks to a rather cheeky little Sergio Aguero Penenka. Um Not all happy in the Manchester City camp when asked about praising Wolves. Uh, Ryan, what did Pep Guardiola attribute to his team's failure to score? Oh, this was brilliant. Classic Guardiola tactics there. He's blamed, he's blamed the match ball because I, I was trying to look into it he said it was too light. No one can score with that ball, is what he said. Were they playing with a different ball to Wolves? Uh, no. They were just... <laughs> it's, just it's bizarre. It's, it's a bizarre excuse. He <laughs> said that the quality and the standards were so bad that you wouldn't... Like, that's why these balls aren't used in the Premier League or it's just for money. Uh, he said it's not acceptable to play, uh, play with this ball at this level. Um... Although I logged onto the Premier League website the next day and there was an enormous great big advert for a Nike football on the front page. <laughs> <laughs> um, Justin, this was only nil-nil thanks to Claudio Bravo, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, he's he, he has the ability. He got off to a bad start, obviously, of his Manchester City career, but um, bracketed by that it was, it was his heroics and in, in, uh, in, you know, playing for Chile and, and some very good performances over the years for Barcelona. So it's taken time. But he's starting to show a little bit of quality. He's got some way to go to knock off Edison, though, hasn't he? He won't. Um, you know, that's the goalkeeper Pep has always wanted and now has. And uh, and I, I don't think he'll be getting a chance outside the Carabao Cup. No, I don't think. I think you were right. Um, who saw the squirrel on the pitch? I did see a picture of it, actually. Yeah, yeah I did see it. And then, and then it almost immediately had a Twitter account. Oh, did it? Yeah, it's just the worst thing. I mean, do, do you remember when the moths yeah. were on Cristiano Ronaldo? That got a whole. That got so many Twitter accounts. Oh, it did, didn't it? The, the other one is the Wimbledon Swan from about five years ago. There was a, the, the camera did a, yeah, a sort of long shot out the stadium to um, out, the, out the tennis court to the local park, and there was a swan there. And within ten minutes, there was a Twitter account. Uh, <laughs> wasn't there an Anfield cat? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Of course, there and might even be a, a dog in Bolivia Twitter account now. Who saw that this week? I didn't, I didn't. see. Uh, I don't think dogs on the pitch are a rarity in South America, but this one appears. No, it's, in... it's, it's a staple of, of the Copa Libertadores for sure. Yeah, this was in a Bolivian league match. He picked the ball up and managed to evade everyone for about three or four minutes and burst the ball as well. Excellent. <laughs> um, well, okay. Next for Manchester City, though, in the Premier League, uh, they are away at West Bromwich Albion. This is a meeting of minds, isn't it? Pep versus Pulis. Pulis is going to come out on top. Do you think? No, I don't. West West Brom are obviously very stubborn, mm. um, as they've been, you know, regimented to do. Well, City have won eleven in a row versus uh, West Brom, and West Brom have got no wins in August or no wins since August, Justin. Yeah, um, not not in the best form, and it's it's just difficult to see anybody really stopping City with with so many offensive uh, weapons at their disposal. And and the thing about it's all driven by De Bruyne, and he's very resistant to any sort of tactical plan because he can he's just a great runner with the ball at his feet. And it's difficult for me to see 
anything but three points for City there. Although it, it'll be difficult, but but I think they'll get all three points. But all you, I mean, you know, this is a very crude way of thinking about it. Their defence is very vulnerable, isn't it, City? So all you need is uh, a big man like Solomon Rondon up front who uh, can have the ball hoofed up to him from a Gareth McCauley-type figure at the back, mm-hmm. bypassing that magnificent City midfield, uh, knocking it down for a James McLean-type person. <laughs> it sounds simple when you put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but there, there is many reasons why I'm not a Premier League manager, though. <laughs> Well, no, it's just that there's a, there's an equal likelihood of City getting four at the other end, I think. So that, that um, they may be a little bit vulnerable at the back. I mean, it's, it's never been Pep's priority. And I think his idea of defending really has been, let's just have the ball all the time and, and we won't have to do it. But uh, you do have to do it at times, obviously. I was listening to the World Football phone in the other day um, and somebody made a point in there. When was the last time you can remember City scoring from a corner? Uh, when they beat Manchester United at home 1-0 to win, more or less clinch the title around 2012-2013 season. Vincent, Vincent Company header. That's right, yeah. It's, it's certainly happened since then, but that's that's probably the, the most meaningful goal they've scored from a corner. I can't remember them doing particularly well. I can't remember doing anything really from a corner. Just someone, just a thought that struck me the other day. Um a win for City would be the best ever Premier League start for any team in uh, the history of football, Ryan, since 1992. Yeah, the history of football. Nothing ever happened beforehand. <laughs> it's fine. And Sergio Aguero, uh, he's looking for that record, isn't he? But he's, um, he'll do uh, do well to find a team better than West Brom to score against because he's got seven goals against them in his time at Man City. He's going to do it this weekend. We all like Sergio Aguero, don't we? Yeah, I think... Uh, does Pep like him? Bizarrely, he's not completely struck on him, is he? I mean, he seems a very nice man. He scores lots of goals. What's not to like? Yeah, but but he, I think Pep is, is, you know, he's just such. He has his ideals, and and there's a specific way he wants every player in every position to play. And there must be something about Aguero that doesn't quite fit. He sure, there's no question he sees his quality, and and obviously he gives you goals. Um, but I, I get the feeling that that he'll certainly persist with him because of his quality but there will come a time when he will be replaced and it won't be lamented by Pep no um, also on Tuesday night Bristol City 4 Crystal Palace 1 Palace at the lead through Bakary Sacco but 4 goals from Palace uh, from Bristol City reply Roy said he was disappointed uh, by oh disappointed for the fans who came all this way and they capitulated um, who saw Papa Suare in this game I didn't no, know. I didn't. Was that the one that was in the accident? Or is that on the biggest yeah. one else? Yeah. yeah, you're right. That's him that was in the accident. After the game, he's been out for 11 months, only came back last month. After the game, he walked over to the Palace fans, tried to give them his shirt, and they threw it back at him. They didn't want it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bristol City got more wins in the Premier League this season against Premier League teams than Crystal Palace. Let's not get into who they beat, because that's, that's irrelevant. Oh, yes. I think it's, it's highly relevant, don't you, Justin? the same... Team that beat Chelsea is losing four-one to Bristol City. So does that mean that Bristol City are better than Chelsea? Yes, <laughs> it does. By the rules of football, it does. <laughs> well, look, next time uh, up to Palace uh, are against West Ham. So Roy has lost five out of his seven games and conceded sixteen. You would have thought till Wednesday night this would be the ideal team to play, wouldn't you, uh, Justin? Yeah, but then a, a surprising little West Ham revival. Um which certainly didn't look on the cards 20 minutes into that game with Spurs. 
Um, and so, who knows? You, know, it, it, you would like to think that, from a West Ham perspective, they can use that and kick on from here. Palace just looked dead in the water. But West Ham did as recently as the first 20 minutes of that game, so it's, it's hard to say. Hmm. Andre Ayew is D'Angelo Boxdale, isn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's funny you say that. I was just, just watching some, some Wire this morning. Oh, wait, which one? Uh, I was watching YouTube clips. I was being lazy. I I do that all the while. <laughs> yeah. I do that loads. Um, oh, there's loads. Nigel de Jong is even box still. Nigel de Jong is even box. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so um, Andre Ayew, yes. The, the, there is the great Wire football crossover podcast we are going to do one day, Justin. Okay, I'm up for that. <laughs> uh, Manuel Lazzini has uh, played four versus Palace and scored in each game and nine of his 14 Premier League goals have come against London clubs so he's obviously uh, in, looking forward to playing against them um, a couple of things from the West Ham Spurs game who saw the Spurs fan have a wee I didn't, didn't see that no he weed into a little glass and threw it into the West Ham fans oh yeah yeah well I, I heard about that yeah <laughs> yeah I, I, was, I was watching a uh, vlog of the game and, and it was um, they were sort of in a, a box um, but it was technically in the Tottenham area. Mm. But obviously, because it's box, it's not really relevant. And they were throwing beers at everyone, like the the Tottenham fans. And the, you know, they said the Tottenham fans aren't happy. Like, and he sort of shouted, "We're all away, mate. This isn't your home either." <laughs> <laughs> Who saw Mark Noble throw shit? No, I didn't see that. Okay, he he walked over to the West Ham fans after the game, saw somebody in the crowd he wanted to throw his shirt to. Uh, as he threw his shirt towards that person, a rather hefty man next to us sort of le- leapt across to try and steal it and fell <laughs> into the ditch in front of the fans instead. He just disappeared Good. completely from view. Good. Yeah, definitely. Mark Noble, apparently, um, some of the players had a meeting on Monday as to how they can improve their situation, and Mark Noble, as club captain, led that. I quite like so it. Didn't, it, as I said, it didn't work for the first 45 minutes then. <laughs> no, there's a very good Graham Hunter podcast on Mark Noble on. I, I quite like him as a person. He's quite good. Um, Wednesday night, I think this was Arsenal 2, Norwich 1. Uh, quite an introduction for is it Edward Niketia. Yeah, I think it is, yeah. He was literally on the pitch for 10 seconds, wasn't he? Yeah, and he's... Then what happened? Oh, he's... Whoa, what happened? <laughs> He scored the equaliser. Did you not see this? He got subbed on, and then they had the sort of the wide shot of the because it was a corner, an Arsenal corner, uh, and he came on for Arsenal, and um, they had the sort of wide shot, and you could see him sort of jog from the centre circle into the area. And literally, the ball comes here, and he wallops it home. It's the first ever thing he does in professional football. I um, seen that. No, it's fantastic. Do you want to feel old, Justin? Uh, I already do, but go ahead. Come on, he is the first player to score for Arsenal. Uh, he was born after Arsenal Wenger took charge. I mean, I think that that makes. I'm sure that would make Arsene Wenger feel old, but yeah, makes me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Arsene Wenger said it's weird to think that it, this boy wasn't even conceived when he took charge at Arsenal. <laughs> uh, Norwich took the lead actually with Josh Murphy, um, but again, Nketi have appeared at the end and scored the winner. So quite a little debut. Quite a few players have made their mark at Arsenal starting here, haven't they? In this in this particular competition, you think someone like Jeremy Aliadier, Cesc uh, Fabregas, David Bentley, people like that. I forgot David Bentley was even a thing. He's not anymore. I, he's uh, he's taking his coin, isn't he? Yeah. But quite a few people have made their starts at this competition for Arsenal, haven't they? Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a great competition for the the clubs that have 
bigger ambitions than winning that particular competition. It's a great opportunity to bleed young players and get them on the pitch and give them debuts and uh, also for for maybe older squad players that aren't getting um, much action too. So I'm I'm, I know that uh, probably some fans aren't very excited by the this particular competition all the time, but it does serve. I'm sure the managers like it for that reason. Hmm. Oh no, you're right. Well, next up, Brian for Arsenal is um, Swansea at home. It's there. It'll be Aston Vegas' 800th Premier League match in charge. Aston won this 7-2 in aggregate last season versus Swansea in both their games. But uh, Swansea won three matches at the Emirates in the Premier League. Only one team has done better. Four. Do you know who that is? Chelsea. Chelsea. Oh, well done, both of you. Yeah. Um, So how do we think this one's going to go? Swansea lost last week to Leicester, didn't they? Yeah, I think they were they were unfortunate to come up against the manage, managerial bump match. Mm. Uh, but Swansea are a, a good side. They've got some good players. Uh, I think uh, uh, Arsenal are, are playing not not too bad at the moment, so I think they'll be in a good position. But Swansea will definitely cause them some problems. I can see them nicking a goal, mm. uh, but I don't know if they'll win. Apparently, Renato Sanchez had a better game this week. That's good. He, he's, he came in and really struggled straight away which I think a lot of people were sort of hoping he'd hit the ground running mm. uh, but I mean the Premier League is completely different to the German League uh, so it would it will take some time to get used to yeah um, elsewhere this week then we had Leicester City 3 Leeds 1 Bournemouth 3 Middlesbrough 1 Callum Wilson scored in that game and I think he got an assist 2 after all that timeout. Uh, and Swansea lost 2-0 to 2 um, Jesse Lingard goals for Manchester United who have got Spurs next with no Harry Kane it's, that sort of just cements the defeat then doesn't it I was going to say is anyone think... playing this much well I mean has anyone actually looked at Spurs record without Harry Kane since he came into the team I think he's not bad actually is it because I think Suns do pretty well it's not well, of course there's there's mitigating circumstances of that stat since he came into the the side they've been a top three side pretty consistently, so they they get good results most of the time anyway. Um, but they've done all right without him, and 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 that's why you've got Lorente there um, to be, you know, to to fill in in a situation like that. Ob- obviously, it's not good for Spurs. He's he's in incredible form right now, but they might do all right without him. I forgot about Lorente. Yeah, you're right. I think he could be a bit of a handful for Lindorf and is Jones injured. I think they're he all might injured. still be injured, yeah. At some point. I mean, it's it's in the contract if you're a centre-back at, at Manchester United. That you, <laughs> and uh, and Lindelof would be a concern if I were, you know, if if, if, if I were a United supporter. Right, he, right he's now. had a shocking few games. Just he, he's really looked yeah, really weak. You're Jose Mourinho. You must have seen something like this in your career as well. So when a player has a start like that, what do you do as a manager? What have you seen happen from a manager to a player? Do you give a big arm around the shoulder and say, never mind, or do you give him a kick at the bum? I think when it's a new player and when it's one of your own signings, you, you, it's the former. I think you have to put the arm around the shoulder. And and then also a little bit of man management goes a long way. You know, sort of, if you've got the, the right fixtures coming up, like the, the Caribou Cup would have been a, a, a nice opportunity um, to get uh, a little bit of confidence back for a player that's struggling. Um, to have to play, you know, a, a game like this at home to Spurs, that, that you sort of hope 
that maybe the midweek game has, has helped with his confidence a little bit. But yeah, I mean, he's one of he, he's a Mourinho signing, and and uh, so he really has to. You really hope that he'll he'll do the arm around the shoulder thing. Do you think if um, Luke Shaw was a Mourinho signing, he'd be treated the way he has been? It's I was about to bring that up. Yeah, I was going to bring that up with Luke Shaw because he definitely doesn't get his arm around his shoulder, does he? No, no. no. He, I mean, it's a it's a public admission of a mistake if you treat one of your own signings that way. Mm. Uh, and and uh, I don't think Jose's got form for a lot of those. So no, I I do think he would be be treated somewhat more differently if it'd been one of his own signings. Okay, I find that fascinating, the whole Luke Shaw Mourinho thing. I feel so sorry for Luke Shaw. It, it's one of those things as well where you just think, why did Shaw just not get picked up in in the summer? Yeah. He, he's not a bad player by any stretch, and I think he just needs a manager to come around and, and put the, their arm around him and just say, look, don't matter what happened at United, let's give you a fresh start and yeah. go from there. Because he's a talented young player. Yeah, and whoever does that, um, after what he's been through, will get the absolute best that he's got to give. I mean, and he he will be so grateful for that opportunity. He'll end up being a good player for somebody. Mm. I thought mm. Tot- I thought he'd be good at Tottenham with yeah. Pochettino. I think he'd be very good. at I've seen a, a Tottenham Danny Rose swap thing with him. That wouldn't be surprising because Danny Rose is he's a bit of a jinxer at the moment. I think. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wednesday night as well final game in the Carabao Cup is Chelsea 2 Everton 1 so Antonio Rudiger and William for uh, Chelsea and Calvert-Lewin one back at the end uh, continuing to make us both feel old Justin uh, Ethan Ampand 17 years and 40 days is the first Chelsea player to be born in the 21st century yeah I saw that good for him I think, I think it's great um, I love seeing younger players coming through and doing well right away yeah I do well speaking of younger players um have you seen Stal Bucharest's Iannis uh, Stoika, who scored on his debut? No. He's 14. Oh, my God. Good grief. <laughs> Ryan, you're nearly twice as old as him. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, how do you think you guys got on the other day? More importantly than that, because it's a bit sort of meat and potatoes for you. How do you think David Unsworth got on? Because he does want the Everton job, doesn't he? He was very loud. He was getting picked up on the microphones quite a lot, actually. Yeah, he's, he's screaming at his place. He's the loud sort. Yeah, I mean the, the game itself, as it was pretty pretty standard for a, a cup game. Just a quick one on on Ampadu. You were saying about uh, it's a good competition for players, to, young players, to get an opportunity. He started the game and finished the whole thing, and he looked quite assured during the entire game, which mm. I think is a big big plus on his resume. But David and I mean. They need a, a top-tier manager if they want to become a top-tier club. I can't imagine them going back for David Moyes. If they do, I think it's a step in the wrong direction. So who would you get then? Who's available? Well, that's the thing. I don't. I mean, you potentially Mancini's available. Would he go that? I don't know. Um, obviously, the the big dream would be Ancelotti. Maybe if you, if you say to Ancelotti, look, it's not a top-quality club, but at the end of the day, we'll give you the job until summer. If, if another club's available, then go. Don't work but in sales, right? Don't ever work in sales. What? I don't work <laughs> in sales anyway. <laughs> We're a crap club. Don't even have to stay very long. Just stay till the summer. <laughs> I, but he, I think I think it'd be a good thing. Well, good thing for Angelotti to do for the next couple of months. And if he likes it, he can stay. But uh, I mean, they they need someone. They need someone to come and take that on as a project and almost say, look. He said the p the word, Justin. Project. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It, <laughs> 
they've got a lot of good young quality players and they've now started to spend the money so they need someone to come along and actually build the right team with the right tactics with unfortunately Duncan, in football you never get anywhere with Duncan Ferguson on the bench as well for Everton as a coach I was going to say yeah. I'm not sure <laughs> as a coach would, that, would Unsworth and Ferguson not be the scariest one and two? Oh yeah, they'd definitely be really scary. I mean, you wouldn't have players chatting back to you, would you? But <laughs> it doesn't I... even matter who the one is. <laughs> no, scary no. and scary. That's bad cop and bad cop, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, next for you guys, you're away at Chelsea, um, where Jermaine Defoe is looking to score uh, against Chelsea for the fifth time. He's scored for them for Spurs, West Ham, Sunderland, and Portsmouth, or for the fifth fifth club. Sorry. Um, he'll, def- he'll definitely score again. Yeah, Gary Cahill will start. So, <laughs> Batshuayi six goals as subs since last se- started last season. Only Olivier Giroud with seven has scored more. I still think he's quite underrated. He, he is very underrated. I, I do really like him. He whenever he starts a game, he puts way too much pressure on himself. It seems because he, he feels like he has to carry the game himself. Because even against Everton, he looked mediocre at best from from the from the get go. Um, and every game he started, he just seems a bit sluggish because he's always having to hold the ball up. Whereas when he comes on as a sub, we're usually chasing the game. So he actually can make a few more runs and be on for the headers and stuff like that. It's a mo- lot more scoring opportunities than that opportunity. Okay. Who saw the seamless transaction that was the draw for the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup? Yeah, that went just as planned, didn't it? <laughs> Don't they all? <laughs> so we've ended it with Arsenal versus West Ham, Bristol City versus Manchester United, Chelsea versus Bournemouth, Liverpool versus Manchester City. Who would have thought that in a draw that wasn't televised or publicised um, due to technical difficulties, the big four would avoid each other? <laughs> I did see someone just put, it's almost like it's fixed. <laughs> <laughs> did you see who did the draw, any of you? Oh, I, I do remember reading it, but I can't remember. This is uh, one of England's premier football cup competitions. So two giants of the game um, did the draw. We had uh, cricket's Phil Tufnell and rugby's <laughs> Matt Dawson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, Everton at the weekend, they are away at Leicester. Um, I saw this game once. This was the game where... Um, uh, where Stefan Freund was throttled by Duncan Ferguson just after Ferguson had received a red card. Anyone remember that? We've managed to get Duncan Ferguson into this into this podcast a lot today. That's the title of the that's the title of the podcast. It should be. Yeah. <laughs> Not the face. I, I didn't realize, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was the game where he got um he got sent off and um decided to take his retribution out of Stefan Freund. Wayne Rooney scored in this game. He was fantastic with uh, playing up front on his own. A very young Wayne Rooney. Oh, they're not current Wayne Rooney. <laughs> no, well, he can score in his third consecutive Premier League match for the first time since 2016. Um, Everton have lost. Uh, Leicester have lost their last two versus Everton in the Premier League, and Everton have never won three in the league in a row against Leicester. So, um, one club's got a new manager bounce. One kind of because we've got Claude Puel back, haven't we? Are we all yeah. happy and jolly about that? And- I don't think that's 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 too bad a move by Leicester. I don't. I mean, Richard Keyes tweeted. Well, Richard Keyes, working as a British broadcaster in Qatar, tweeted "R.I.P. <laughs> British coaching." Um, Gary Lineker wasn't too overwhelmed with it all. Lots of my friends, because I'm from Leicester originally, lots of my friends who are Leicester fans on Facebook were very meh about the whole thing. But 
I know they weren't too exciting last season towards the end Southampton, but he got them to eighth and he got them to a cup final, which they really should have won. And it's not like they've been pulling up trees this season, Southampton, is it? Uh, no, you're right. But at the same time, I think it is, it's not the right move. I, when I saw he was the, the front runner for the job, I just sort of thought, surely there's someone else available. Come on, just uh, fly the flag for him. He's a 20-year uh, managerial reign. He's got teams to the semi-final of the Champions League. Uh, Monaco, he did very well with, didn't he? Yeah, he did, and and uh, it's but it, it is it's difficult. I can understand Ryan's. It, it it does have a feel about it of of the that sort of middle tier European manager um, recycling through a club. Um, it, it's I, I understand why it isn't the most exciting thing, but it's interesting Gary Lineker's reaction to it because I wonder if he re- recalls his own reaction to Ranieri. That's exactly what I was thinking when I saw that tweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like Ranieri seriously question mark, wasn't it? It was something like along those lines. Did you all, he, he did give some? He did give debuts to quite a few Southampton players who have since gone on to other clubs and done well. If I'm thinking, if I'm remembering correctly, did he? I think he did. I'm not disbelieving you. Just gone. Excuse me. If it's <laughs> um, but with. The- the thing that I was thinking about the other day, and he, yeah, okay, yeah, he's a bit of a, a middle row manager and he has been successful. But, you know, Leicester are in this really awkward position where, you know, on their CV they've got Premier League winners. Mm. You know, and yeah, okay, they lost Kante, yeah, now they've lost, lost drink water, they've lost a couple of other players here and there, but generally that squad is still pretty much the same. And it's almost like, well, who. Can you get anyone in that's going to be able to replicate that success? Or even you, you look at so Arsenal and, and they haven't won the Premier League in so in, in quite a long time, but Wenger's still the manager. And you've got these big clubs that, you know, they're big because of their reputation. Even though Leicester don't have a big reputation, they're still Premier League champions within the past two years. All right, both of you. A quick one-word answer. Who would you rather... One team's just appointed a manager, one team is still seeking a manager, these two. Um... Who would you rather be the manager of? You could be the manager of Everton, the club with a long tradition, the quote-unquote people's club, um, or you can be the manager of Leicester, recent Premier League champions, and presumably with a lot of prize-winning money sloshing around in the um, in the coffers in a brand new, well, not brand new, but you know, a fairly sort of modern stadium. Uh, Ryan, who are you going to say? Everton. Justin? Everton. Both of you? Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. What would you pick? Uh, I, I can't decide either way. Possibly Leicester, but that, you know, that's hometown loyalties. <laughs> um, Liverpool versus Huddersfield and the Bill Shankly derby. Uh, Liverpool are unbeaten in 19 versus newly promoted teams. Jenny, we were talking pre-record about Liverpool in 2008, 2009, all those games they drew. This has got yes. yeah. This yes. has got draw written all over it, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, no Coutinho. Yeah. Oh, is he not playing? Yeah, I think I saw something. They, they were going to make a late decision, but that almost always means no because he wouldn't have trained all week. Oh, right, okay. Um, and he can't be hundred. He wouldn't be a hundred percent fit, would he, having to make such a late decision on him? Yeah. yeah, but come to think of it now, now did Ryan? Did you have you seen something? Is it final? Is it? Did they... I, I thought I saw something pop up earlier uh, as a notification to say that he's out of the game. Okay. It is the kind of thing Klopp has done and been criticised for, as, as 
playing players who've been out injured and then not trained and then but they, then they they're fit on the match day and so he plays them and um that's the sort of thing I know that that Raym, our, our our friend Raymond Verhagen has has gone mad at him on Twitter for on a number of occasions. Can I ask why a, a press conference? Do either of you know the answer to this? Um, managers give so much information out. They you know they're obviously being asked these questions by the press. Is so and so fit? What about this person? And he's saying, well, we're we'll giving a late fitness test. So and so might be a doubt. Is this not giving feeding the opposition information in some ways? It is, but at the same time, I think you can actually play the media a little bit. And I think you mentioned Phil Jones earlier for the United game. Someone was telling me the other day, I don't know how true this is, but someone was mentioning that apparently two weeks ago, Jose said in the conference, Jones won't be available. He played. The week later, he said, actually, no, he has actually got a knock. He played. And now it's this late fitness test for him again. And I think you could play the media a little bit or but I don't, I, I don't know where the, the line gets drawn. I remember Jose did the game before the game against Barcelona when he revealed. Oh, he named their, their team. squad, didn't yeah. he? And then he did your team with some weird B team or something like that. But I, I don't know why that doesn't happen more. I mean, you're not obliged to answer these questions. You might as well tell him a whole load of lies anyway. It doesn't look you might good. As well do like you're in an interview, like a you know police interview, yeah. no comment. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I do think at that level, the other side will have prepared for many iterations of the opposition. Um, so you can play the media, you can mislead and, 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 and end up giving a surprise start to somebody, but they'll be ready for that to some degree anyway. Oh, okay. Um, Huddersfield could be the fourth team promoted to the Premier League to beat uh, Liverpool and Manchester United in the same season. Um, Mohamed Salah has got five in nine for Liverpool in the Premier League. Um, Two things, Dejan Lovren, how do we feel he's been treated? How should he be treated and how do we treat him from here on in? Is he currently alive? He's alive. <laughs> I, I don't think he could really expect anything more than that. <laughs> do you not feel sorry for him a little bit? I mean, the, 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 the performance at Spurs was pretty dreadful. But he's been playing uh, through an awful lot of pain. He has. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Um and his heart's he been in pain bad. as well, if you believe what was written in the Sun about his marriage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, we, we spoke about it before. You said you, you, you know, you said that when you've played in the past, that you've blanked out during the game anything off the pitch, and then walked off and thought, "Oh God, I got that to deal with when I get back." But uh, to some extent, it must it must interfere with your preparation during the week or something, mustn't it? Especially, yeah, especially playing okay, in yeah. such pain. Absolutely. Look, I mean. I was being glib, but he's human, and yeah. he's going through some things, and, and there is no way, um, even if you can take refuge in those 90 minutes, as you say, there's a whole week leading up to that to, to get to that point, and there's really no way to, to have clarity and focus on only a match at the end of that week if you're going through things like that. The other thing is as well, this is a person you bought for a few million pounds, and you pay him £100,000 a week. He's bunging him up full of painkillers and hoping he goes out and gives his best really what you want to be doing with a sort of product you've invested in I don't just don't understand how Liverpool have got to this point with their defenders exactly um, what I was going to say it, yeah it, it, I mean am, am I right in thinking that 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 the the four that started against Spurs with three of them Rogers signings 
Well, Lovren was a Rogers signing, wasn't he? Was Moreno there? Moreno was a Rogers signing. Mm. Uh, Matip was a Joe Gomez was a Rogers signing, and Matip and then was, Mat- yeah was signed by um, Klopp. By Klopp. Mm. So but, how I mean I, <clears> how are we how are how is he this long into his Liverpool tenure with with a a pretty obvious weakness on along the back line and and still using those signings those players I don't know there's a couple of things I don't quite get I don't get whether anyone from FSG when Mamadou Saku was there. I don't know whether anyone from FSG said to Klopp, what earthy doing playing two people who obviously aren't as good as the guy on the sideline? Um, it can't really... I mean, it obviously was, but whose transfers policy was Virgil van Dijk or Bust? Um, and why hasn't anyone thought about playing Emre Chan in defence? Emre Chan would definitely do a serviceable job as well. He played in defence for Rodgers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's just, I mean, as you said, it was Van Dijk or Bust. I'm sure there's plenty of centre-backs available. I mean, uh, we haven't really seen that much of Rudiger yet, but, you know, easily could have gone to, to Liverpool if they would have got the business done early enough. Mm. Um, there's definitely defenders available. I mean, Mtiti went to Barcelona for relatively quite cheap. The and strangest the, thing to me, yeah, and the strangest thing about the Van Dijk or Bust thing was that it actually did go bust very early in, in the window, uh, and you know the the whole public apology, and we're, we and we will no longer pursue the player. But then they went. They sort of there was a cooling off period, and weeks later there was a resurgence in the effort to sign him, which then consumed the rest of the window. Um, and so it's doubly strange to me because there was such an obvious sign that maybe it wasn't going to work out earlier in the in the window. Mm. Who saw the... I feel like that 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 deal is never going to happen. By the way, I, I, I feel like Liverpool are never going to get Van Dijk now. <laughs> Who because, saw... Only because there will be too many complaints. Too what? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. There'll, there'll be what? Sorry, too many complaints. Yeah. Okay. Um, who saw the uh, Aramoy child letter this week? Oh, I did see this. He, he found was it like a fiver or something? Yeah. Outside the ground, and then he wrote into. Um, Huddersfield and said I want to give this to Aaron Moy his dad said he wasn't allowed to keep the money because it wasn't his so he wrote into Huddersfield and said this is for Aaron Moy because he played so well against Manchester United and deserved it <laughs> which is That's very great. nice yeah. yeah it is apart from the fact that someone could did say I did hear another podcast today someone saying their sort of wily dad maybe thought if you write in with a really nice sweet letter this will get on the internet and you'll end up with a free shirt and tickets it's it's unfortunate that we have to consider that as a possibility, but we do. <laughs> do you know about once a year? Have you, have you, do you know how the Daily Mail will feature somebody who's got an ill-advised tattoo? Mm. And uh, for instance, the guy that got Manchester City Champions League champions 2013, 2014, that, that kind of thing. Mm. I'm convinced now that that people do that intentionally in order to get that <laughs> 15 minutes of infamy. Oh, you're correct. Remember the Newcastle fan that got Andy Cole tattooed on his leg and then he left? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, definitely. Um, right, Watford versus Stoke. Is Mark Hughes under pressure? They're in the bottom three, aren't they? I think so. I, I don't want him to be, because I, I really rate Mark Hughes. I don't know what's going on. Stoke at the moment it's, it's a really difficult situation I, it doesn't really seem to make much sense no I quite like what he's trying to do though he's definitely obviously trying to make them play a, 
a different style of football to what Stoke traditionally used to be. I mean, the days of Rory Delap doing really long throw-ins and, and sort of just playing long balls is is long gone. I really like that though. I like watching that. Yeah, that, those were those were great. Those were great little car crash moments in every match. <laughs> I, I, guess, I guess Ryan's right. You know, he's he's trying to do overall the right thing there. Um, unfortunately, the problem is that the old Stoke worked. Yes, it did, didn't it? But Pulis yeah. has taken them really as far as he could. I think we might well be getting to that point with West Brom as well. So he yeah. can only take them X far, can't he? Yeah. Um, Watford have had 10 different goal scorers in the Premier League this season, and the only two games they've lost have either been against Manchester City or Champions Chelsea. So uh, this is going to be no mean feat for Stoke, is it? If they manage to get something. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think Ryan would probably agree that they, they were they were impressive against Chelsea and... Um, that there were unbelievable spurned chances in front of goal, most of them by the same same player. Um, in the end, cost them dearly, but they do seem to have still quite a bit of confidence about them. They're dangerous side. Watford yeah. are very very good. Yeah, this season. Marco yeah. Silva was definitely the right choice for that. Nah, yeah, maybe Everton should have struck a few months earlier. Yeah, maybe. Um, Brighton versus Southampton. Is this a derby, Ryan? Brighton versus. Uh... It's all down. Well, it's all up north, isn't uh, it? Yeah. <laughs> Are you by the sea? <laughs> yeah, you're all down that way. Um, Saints have won more away than home in 2017. And Nathan Redmond, he's had 24 shots on this season, zero goals. Is that something you'd want to keep going? You mean you? The I think some, someone would be bound to bring up the law of averages yeah. in a situation like that. It's. A law of averages, of course, is not a real thing. Um, there's no guarantee he ever will score. He may, he may, he may continue to shoot and and uh, and never score. He may be firing into the ether forever. He may, yeah. he may get, he may reach triple digits this season and not, not get a goal. Well, Colin from the Sunday Show predicted great things for this guy two years ago, so maybe he's got to blame Colin for that. Um, yeah. And Burnley versus Newcastle. Burnley have faced 170 shots this season. That's the most. Um, Newcastle conceded eight goals, uh, and only one of those was before half time. And if that means anything, not I think the Burnley stat probably means an awful lot more. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I think we're facing a very different beast in Burnley this season because they're getting equally as many points away from home as they are at home, aren't they? Yeah, I mean they've they've, they've sort of bedded into the Premier League now, and I think they understand what it is to go away and, and how you have to play. Mm. Okay, all right. Well, that's the Premier League rounded up. Uh, other bits and bobs of news. Pedro Caccini has been sacked from Rangers after seven months. Um, did you ever play against Rangers, Justin? Uh, no, never did. Right. Never did. When I, I was in Scotland during their dominant period under Graham Sunis. So you were so Dunfermline, weren't you? Yeah, they were, they were high flyers in those days. And, and, of course, that was the only European football being played in Britain at the time. So they were getting... They were actually draw. If you can imagine this, anyone under forty w- wouldn't be able to imagine this. But they were able to sign established uh, first division English first division slash Premier League players to come there uh, for the the promise of of European football. Trevor Stephen, Gary Stevens, Paul Gascoigne, Paul Gascoigne, yeah, um, yeah. Chris Woods in goal. Oh crikey! Yeah. <laughs> so, did you play against Celtic or anybody? Uh, in a friendly, played against Celtic in a friendly. Where was that? At uh, Celtic Park. And how was that? Was it 
Good. It was nice. I mean, there, there wasn't, you know, there was the crowd that you would expect for a friendly, so it wasn't a, a big, huge crowd. But but there was there was a decent turnout, and they put them all on the main stand side, so it looked all right. Yeah, a little tingle in your spine for that one. Yeah, and then we we actually I, I, re- I remember the game pretty well. We took the lead right off right off the kickoff, basically. Got in on goal and lobbed down rough, and we're up one nothing. End up losing four <laughs> one. <laughs> Those defenders in front of you. Eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, there's a few. There's a few Rangers fans. A couple of Rangers fans I follow on Twitter, and I gather that this this sacking had been coming for a long time. Uh, I mean, everybody knows what that club has been through. Most much of it self inflicted at, at the at the uh, boardroom level. But it's been a difficult thing. Can you imagine, you know, going from the levels they once were at to to what they've been through in in more recent years, and uh, and then now just on the pure footballing side of things, it just doesn't seem like he was a good fit there at all. And there were people openly rejoicing when that his sacking was announced. No, I was trying to think of what I remembered uh, regards to this guy at Rangers, and all I could think about was when Rangers lost in the Europa League qualifier in Luxembourg, and he fell into a bush confronting the Rangers fans. <laughs> all I can think about well Derek McInnes has been tipped to replace him um, what else we got ah, Italy uh, who's seen events in Italy this week very very distressing and disappointing and on, oh, the worst thing about it is that it's not surprising no um, so this was Sunday night the Lazio fans were in the opposite uh, end of the ground to where they normally were so they're where the Roma fans tra- traditionally tend to be so they left little presents for them of uh, Anne Frank stickers covered in a, in a Roma shirt, um, and a, in a win over Calgary, they were singing uh, "Roma fans are Jews" and this and that and the other. Against Bologna on Wednesday, the fans tried to make up for it a little, or the, the players tried to make up for it a little bit by warming up in Anne Frank T-shirts. Um, passages from Anne Frank's die were read out over the PA system pre-match with this. Um, uh, with the mascots being given copies of Primo Levi and Anne Frank books. Uh, not many Lazio fans saw this. Um, some of them waited outside and only came in after this uh, after the sort of readings. Um, fascist songs and salutes were given as well. And it wasn't just uh, Lazio fans. Their president organised a trip to visit a synagogue, accidentally called it a mosque and also called it a huge charade. Um, he was Ugh. caught on camera saying that. Uh, Bologna printed we are all Anne Frank stickers and put Anne Frank in a Bologna shirt trying to sort of turn the tables around a little bit Juventus fans this week when it came to their reading in their match versus Spal um, they turned their backs and sang the Italian national anthem during the minute silence to remember the holocaust uh, and I think fans during the Roma Crotone game sang something as well it's pretty grim isn't it yes and we're yes, not surprised it's Lazio. And when Arkan was killed, um, and they, the, the Lazio fans had a tribute to him, didn't they? Uh, During the war, it, the war criminal Arkan from Yugoslavia. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it, you know, they, they obviously, I think, I think most people know they've got a long history of dab the supporters, one of the hardcore ultras there, dabbling in in fascism, and you want to believe that for some of them, it's. It's just sort of buying into the act and playing along, but but when they then have substantial opportunities, as they did this this past week, um, to show their true feelings about it, they do, and it and it confirms all your worst beliefs. What can you do? Because you've, I mean, they banned themselves from the Stadio Olimpico last night, didn't they? Do you remember when the police put in those little partitions and they decided not to bother turning up the ultras? 
Yeah. The only thing you really... You can't play games behind closed doors, so that doesn't seem to have any effect. The only thing you really can do is dock the team points. I'm and not then, even sure how much good that will do because the the team is not their... For some of them, that's not their, their biggest priority. Hmm. It's, you know, it's their carrying on um, and they, they use the, the team as a vehicle for that. So um, I, I certainly think that would help. I mean, because that, that would separate the, the pretenders from the, the hardcore fascists. So that, that would certainly help. And then, and then what it might do, I think, you think you've got to find a way to mobilize the average supporter against those people. Mm. Um, and, and docking points is, is something that could do that. I mean... It's very difficult. We don't really have an ultra culture in in the UK. I mean, you have fans, and I know you have hooligans and that sort of thing. But it's, it, it, ultra culture it's not the same. Yeah, it's, it's not the same. same. I mean, ultra groups they all have individual, unique political leanings and class systems where they're from and all that sort of thing. Of course, you go to Argentina, Justin. You know, they get involved with ticket distribution and stuff, don't they? So, clamping down on ultras is a very difficult thing to do. It's difficult, and and as you, it's different, as you say. I mean, I I, I lived in England and. and and was playing in the late 80s when uh, hooliganism had not yet been properly dealt with by the authorities there. It was a much simpler task in England because there, although, as you rightly say, there were some clubs with certain certain political leanings, for the most part, it was just general uh, disaffectation amongst young people. And it was... Re- relatively easy to sort out, at least within the grounds, by by some technological things like closed circuit television and and a little bit more rational scheduling of of trains for the away supporters, et cetera, et cetera. I think everyone knows how things came around in England. It's 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 far more complicated in Italy and in parts of Eastern Europe because of some long held biases um, and hatreds. Yeah. Oh, I remember getting the football special trains. They were good fun. I, uh, you know, I, I had a couple of occasions where I just was standing on a platform and and didn't realize that I was about to become engulfed in something like that. And <laughs> fortunately, I was pretty good at fading away into the background. <laughs> well, look, good things from Italy. The Dries Mertens goal, um, or one of his goals in midweek. Who saw that? I think I is it, was it like a chip or something. There was a lot. Was there, a... Long ball played to him from defence uh, over the top and he arrives at the penalty area and he takes it in his stride without breaking stride this is a great big ball that's been hoofed 50 or 60 yards and it literally just kisses his foot and dribbles onto the ground and then he lashes it with his other foot into the top corner it was at the keeper's near post Justin but it was just oh, it was just a fantastic goal absolutely gorgeous there's a lot of good strikers playing it in Italy at the moment it's surprising that a lot of Premier League clubs haven't tried to sign as many. I mean, Icardi, obviously, um, Mertens, Bellotti, just to name three. And then you've got Dybala and people like that. Italian football is yeah. great to watch, isn't it, at the minute? Mm. It's a nice resurgence. I mean, Napoli are obviously beautiful to watch, but I- I'm watching the goal right, right now, Ryan, and as you say, it's it's near post, but we're not going to consider that any sort of near post error he's stuck it right up in the top corner there's nothing nothing goalkeeper can do he's only about six seven yards out too hmm. well in italy this week the big game at the weekend in Serie A, it's uh, milan versus juve um nucci which i don't really think many people are that bothered about because he's having a torrid time isn't he i think they're actually hoping that he they they win and then he gets kept out of the team yeah um psg versus nice tonight i think cavani's got two goals um 
Jesse will be happy about that. Uh, yeah, we, I was watching the Classic on Saturday with or Sunday with um, Jared, my nephew, often gets a mention on here. Um, and he planted one about eight feet over the bar from about five yards out. And he said, text her, text her. So I tweeted her. <laughs> uh, so he, you never guess what I've just seen. But then come the 92nd minute, um, he takes his free kick, his name was being sent off, and he absolutely thumps it. He was only about 20 yards out. And you can cut, if you're being terse, you could blame Stephen Mandana. But it's like we were sort of saying the ball is. He, he the ball gets a ten yard head start on Mandana because um, the wall is there, and by the time it goes over the wall, he's got no time to react at all. So I think you'd be you'd be a bit unlucky to blame Mandana on that one. Um, Bundesliga is Bayern in second versus Leipzig in third. Ryan, did you see BT Sport this week? Did you see the cup game between these two? No, I didn't. Uh, it finished one one, and Naby Keita got sent off in something like the fiftieth minute, and it finished one one after extra time. So they held it very well. And even he had a lot of red cards this season. I feel like he gets a mention every <laughs> few weeks for having a red card. <laughs> Quite possibly. Uh, and then it settled into a German penalty shootout. I did tweet at the time this could be sort of going on for quite some time with two German teams having a penalty shootout. But Timo Werner of all people was the one who missed, uh, and Bayern progressed. But these two meet in the league tomorrow. Um, I did wonder, because down to 10 men in extra time, they must have been knackered, knowing this game was coming up at the weekend in the league too. Would there not be a little bit of you tempted to throw the cup game to then be a bit fresher for the weekend? A little bit maybe, but I guess I guess you get into get into bad territory with, with doing that. No one's know. asked you to do that, surely, Justin? No, no one ever has. But uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with Ryan there because you never you know you never know if if you if you actually implicitly instruct or sort of imply to the players that they don't have to give their their very best um and save it for an upcoming league game um you know you just i think i think as a coach you you're not comfortable doing that because you don't know if it's as easy to turn the switch back on for the players as that yeah uh Greece's Panathinaikos versus Olympiakos uh Ryan how's your Russian geography or geography of the Caucasus. It's not great. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it's Grozny versus Angie. Um, one's in Chechnya, one's in Dagestan. Is that a local derby? Uh, yes. <laughs> if you say it's certainly enough, you sound authoritative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Aston Villa versus Birmingham in the Championship, and I think is it's first v second. Justin in Mexico, Monterey versus Club America. I don't mix. know. I don't know, to be honest. Oh, you're, uh, right. you're right that way, aren't you? It's all the same. I, I am that way. <laughs> and we, we, we get the games live here, and I watch, and I do follow, but I don't know the current standings right now. No? Okay. Uh, right, what else have we got to talk about? We've got to talk about the FIFA Awards. Um, we had there at the weekend. We had Cristiano Ronaldo won the Men's Award. Um, Lika Martins won the Women's Award. Uh she was the d- captain of the Dutch team that won the UEFA 2017 Euros. Apparently, the funding for this ceremony nearly equals the amount that FIFA spend on women's game around the world annually. Um, that's just—I think that's just done all over, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, who won the Pushkas Award for best goal? Oliver Giroud. He did. That scorpion uh, kick. Everyone laughed at him because he was celebrating it so much. He must have known. Yeah, I mean, did you see the? Um... There was something, something on Reddit uh, soccer this week, and it was if Oliver Giroud makes a, 
a video of his best goals and shows it to his grandkids when you know, when he's old and grey. Yes. They're going to think he's better than Pele. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who won Fans of the Year? Celtic, wasn't it? It was the Celtic fans. That comes a day after they were sanctioned for the fan running on the pitch at killing Mbappé in the Champions yeah. League. <laughs> Uh, coach of the year was Zinedine Zidane and uh, Serena Wiseman for the Dutch coach for ladies. Um, fair play award. Who saw this one? Didn't. Didn't see. Francis Kone uh, won the fair play award. He plays in Czechoslovakia. Um, he saved the life of the opposition goalkeeper this year. Uh, the opposition goalkeeper collapsed and swallowed his tongue. Um, Kone managed to grab that tongue and pull it out and clear the airway and thus save his life. I remember seeing that video. The most extraordinary thing about this is it is the fourth time Francis Kone has done this on a football pitch. Um, You know, I I would wonder somewhat if if he weren't the cause. (laughs) Well, you think he's (laughs) trying to get this award? (laughs) One day, have it to me. (laughs) If I play for a lower league European team where nobody will ever video it, I could just knock these players out and win the Pushkas and win the sort of fair play award. Who did Gareth Southgate vote for? What, for fair play or? No, sorry, for the best player. Oh. Best men's player. Himself? <laughs> no. No, Harry Kane? He voted Cristiano Ronaldo, Luka Modric, and Tony Cruz. There's a name missing from there. Well, I see. Exactly. According to him, Lionel Messi isn't one of the three best players in the world. We're going to win that World Cup next year, Ryan. <laughs> With don't worry, like so you don't need to get. Yes, you don't need to get near him. You don't need to mark him or anything. Yeah, exactly. I'm looking forward to Gary Cahill and corners. <laughs> With Harry Kane taking them. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, that brings us everything in there. Now I've got any other business from anybody. Oh, well, Bryce, Bryce, Bryce obviously has, uh, Bryce has something to add. Is he talking about rubber plate in 1986? Oh, okay. We can talk about that, yeah. So if anyone... Bryce. Uh, <laughs> anyone who saw that uh, FIFA has now officially recognized the old Intercontinental Cup, which was the winner of, of the Copa Libertadores in South America, and the European Cup would play a one-off game as a final. It's now, of course, grown into the Club World... What's it called? The Club, Club World Cup or Club, Club World, World Championships? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it involves other federations, too, beyond just UEFA and CONMEBOL. But retroactively, everyone now that won that competition is considered a, a, a club world champion for that year, which means River Plate in 1986. Uh, this this is good news for River Plate fans such as myself, but it comes with them also awarding the same honor to Boca Juniors on three. <laughs> so it's... It's a poison chalice to some degree. Ying and yang. I think I yeah. also heard Bryce say that if you want to see uh, a remarkable save that's 34 years old, how do they do that this week? Yeah, I put a little clip up on Twitter of myself. I don't do that a lot. Um, for the the Not because I'm, I'm so modest, but because there isn't a lot of video of me playing. But uh, a friend came across that and passed it on to me. Um, had found an old VHS and managed to digitize the video. And I think that the resolution is roughly what is the what is standard high definition now? Ten eighty p. I think this is zero zero eighty. <laughs> um, the actual clip isn't that bad. Putting it on Twitter now, tw- you know, Twitter has made it worse. But anyway, that, that's yeah, that's on my Twitter. It it was a good. It was a, I was happy with that save. It's funny as seeing it. I remember it. Everything about it and ball moved all over the place. And I had to sort of change directions in the air a little bit and. 
yeah, just got a finger on it and got it over the bar. Can I just ask, you did roll around quite a lot on the ground afterwards. Did you know there were cameras on you? No, I didn't. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess I did know. I, I guess I did know there was being videoed. But I even I admitted that in my tweet that I loved to roll when I was younger. It's funny because when I played the, the week I mentioned last time I was on the podcast, we, I played the Orlando City Tampa Bay Rowdies alumni game. I made a save similar to that from a free kick where I just tipped over the bar, but like 51-year-old me is not interested in, in adding rolls to the end of that kind of thing. Do you tend so to I land just, in the heat nowadays? Yeah. I, well, I, I still turned it into a dive, which maybe it wasn't necessary, but I didn't add any flair or, or dramatics to it. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ryan, AOB? I don't think so. The, the, only, the only thing I've got... Sort of, I've, read something about the other day was this whole have you seen that apparently Manchester City and Arsenal technically broke the rules in their Carabao Cup game by using too many subs in extra time no there was I think it was like on the, the Sun and a couple of other websites but it doesn't look like it's going to have any legs um, so the rule is you can make three subs during the game and then if you go into extra time you can make a fourth sub Manchester City and Arsenal both used two subs during the 90 and then two subs in extra time, mm. which is apparently a breach of rules. And there was a, a little bit of a rumour going around the other, the, the other day that those games may actually have to be replayed Ooh. because of that. I don't think it will have any legs because the FA aren't going to bother dip with that rubbish. Phil Duffy has already done the draw. Well, exactly. I, I, I've just seen something actually on Twitter from Colin. He's tweeted at Carwell Cup and said, Dear Carabao Cup, can you please tell me who you've decided to win the Carabao Cup this year? DM me, don't make it public. I just want to put a bet on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you've gone all podcasts without uh, doing your Jesse voice, because she should be here as well. Oh, she should be here, but yeah, I can't even begin to... She she did say, please, but don't be mean with my voice, which any attempt would be, would be classed as mean, I think. so. You can't do a squeaky... American female voice. I can't. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ryan, if they want to follow you on Twitter, how do they do that? It's at the Ryan Goodman. Justin, if they want to follow you, how do they do that? Uh, keepers underscore union. Keepers union. Keepers union. Okay, no problem. All right. Uh, at Man on the Post is our Twitter and uh, Instagram account for Man on the Post. Man on the Post dot com as well. Um, there was a Sunday show last week. Some of you more eagle-eyed listeners might have noticed that with Ross and uh, Adam and Colin. If you're all good and behave yourselves, there might even be another one this week. I'm not too sure. Um, there's no Jessie this week, but hopefully she'll be back next week. She was, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, um, waylaid. Uh, if you like what you hear, you can rate reviews on iTunes. Um, all five-star reviews are very gratefully received. If you like us, you can subscribe on iTunes or Acast or Podcast Republic or anything else like that. We are part of the World Football Index, which is at World Football Eye on Twitter and worldfootballindex.com. Get following those as well because you will get podcasts from South America, North America, uh, Russia, Italy, uh, all across Europe, all winging their way to your inbox. Um, and they're an absolutely fantastic follow. Anything that they don't cover really isn't worth uh, your time bothering with so get following those as well um gents thank you ever so much thank you thank you and always remember to keep your man on the post